Listening to the Amodamar podcast. In this series, Amoda explores her essential teaching through conversation and excerpts from interviews and events. To find out more about events and to sign up for her newsletter, go to www.amodamar.com. Please subscribe, comment, and share if this podcast moves you. And if you feel called to donate, please go to the website. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. In this episode, Amodamar is in conversation with Tim Freak, an English philosopher and author. Together they explore whether an evolutionary view of consciousness and the universe can be in alignment with a non-dual awareness and the awakening journey. A bit about Tim. He is an English philosopher and author. He is also the founder of Unividualism, which combines evolutionary science and deep spirituality to offer a visionary new understanding of the nature of reality and the purpose of life. He leads retreats internationally and online. Find him at www.timfreak.com. So, welcome, Tim. It's nice to meet you. It's very nice to be here. I know you're based in a part of England that I used to live in. Yes, in crazy Glastonbury. It's uh, if you, you anyone has been there, they know it's well, it's famous for the festival, of course, but it's also like full of every sort of new age shop and a spiritual the, epicenter. It, it, that's a nicer way to say it. It is <laughs> from ancient times, so it's a pride, pride little town, really. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. So, welcome to the Amodamar podcast. Um, so, this is really a conversation. I felt drawn to uh, have this conversation with you because my sense is that you have a broad spiritual approach, very inclusive approach to the nature of awakening and uh, I also too speak a lot about the embodiment of awakening, in other words, the the journey after awakening, how it's lived, how it's embodied, what that means, how that includes the human experience. Um, now I, I don't know a lot about the details of what you teach, how you teach, and what you bring into that. Um, but I get the sense that you include the human impulse to grow, to evolve, to reach its highest potential. And that's something that in the, let's say, more strict, non-dual teachings is not addressed so perhaps we can just dive in and see how we intersect in the way that we see this and also the way we actually live it, you know, as, as actual human beings. Yeah, we're not just teaching from a, a dry place of, of knowledge. It's, it's how it's lived, how it's experienced. Um, 
there's just before we start, there's just something that really is perhaps juicy for me, and I'd like to bring that in at some point, um, which is this term that uh, Osho used to use, which is uh, Zorba the Buddha, <laughs> which I love and really um, encapsulates something. So perhaps we can come to that at some point. That's a great line. It's in one of, I, 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 I liked it like you. I, li- I jumped out of me. I mean, I'm not a great um, uh, fishing out of Osho, but that line really captures something. I stuck it in one of my books, I'm sure. So did I. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lovely image, isn't it? It's got that kind of image of something serene and peaceful, but something full of like life. And, uh, and I, I sense that's what we're both interested in. And, and when you were speaking, well, I, you know, why I thought it'd be fun to do this conversation is because I always hope to come out from the conversation with something which I didn't have going into it. And I think it's happened already because I started noticing when you said, when you introduced it, uh, you were saying about awakening, including within it, the, the human evolutionary impulse to fulfill potential. And I thought, wow, do you know what? I think it's moved so far for me now. It's the other way around. I see awakening as part of the human evolutionary impulse, not as the end in itself or anything like that. Um, so that the, the, the non-dual thing, which is quite common, I think, like you said, sees awakening as it and the human bit is irrelevant. And then there's the next step for me was definitely, no, include it, include it. But now I think it's actually turned around and I see the primary thing is well not just the human but the whole of the cosmic evolutionary impulse of which awakening i think is a very emergent state of that evolution but not the end just a a, a step in it yes i i i i agree with that i i it's kind of it's two it's both it's two directions <laughs> yeah it's it's almost paradoxical yeah, awakening is not the end, and yet it is the impulse of evolution. Yeah, it's the evolutionary impulse to awaken is the ev- evolutionary impulse of consciousness itself, to know itself through the human being. But presumably not for the first 13 billion years or you know, no. 10 billion years, let's say, until there was life. So the impulse there must be something else. My, I mean, I'm not a great evolutionary, uh, evolutionist, yes. So I'm not speaking from uh, any place of great, um, let's say, knowledge of the evolutionary process. But my sense, um, certainly through my own process or journey of awakening, is that Consciousness moves into form to know itself as form, but know itself is might not be the right term because it's not conscious of that. It sort of loses itself in form so that form can manifest. So then we've got the 13, the first 13 billion years of form creation, and then it almost returns to itself through that form to come to know itself. And then we call that process awakening. So when we met, however long that was ago, if you'd had this conversation with me then, I would have gone, yes, Moda, exactly. I agree with you completely. Since then, I've completely changed my mind. 
Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. I don't think that's right at all. What do you... Okay. Um, I mean, I still think the the experience, which I'm sure we we share in different ways, I suspect, but but near and close enough is obviously what it is. But how we understand it and where it fits in has majorly moved for me. So one of the key things is that is how I understand consciousness. So it doesn't make any sense to me any longer to see it as the ground of everything. So it's consciousness on a journey. I think for me, it looks much more like consciousness is it. Where can I start? Let me try this again. It it feels like this is not what we're in. Isn't one. That's why I don't use the term non-dual at all anymore. It's actually a little bit more interesting than that. It's also two clearly because there's two of us for instance so it's kind of not non-dual it's kind of unidual it's one thing in relationship with itself through all these through everything everything is that one thing in relationship to itself on an evolutionary journey and that consciousness what we're experiencing now is a very very emergent level of that relationship which doesn't arrive certainly for the first 12 billion years and it's going to arise w- when there's life and when there's sentience rather than being the ground. So, so, the, gr- so the, gr- the ground is not conscious, I don't think. I don't see any reason to think it is. Okay, so <laughs> this is interesting. When this is uh, also probably just terminology, I... Yeah, I think I I understand what you're saying. I in using the word consciousness as the ground, I don't think that saying that it's actually conscious. Okay. Let's so let's call is, it something else. Let's call it yeah. something else. What is the ground of being? I what, think it's being. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, I agree. So let's call it beingness. Yeah. 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 Beingness is the ground of the ground, <laughs> the ground of everything. Yeah. And it, and, and there is no, uh, it, it, the, it, of course there's two, there's, there's, there's everything that's manifest and everything that's unmanifest. And so being manifests through form and comes to know itself or recognize itself through that, but that requires a conscious form. In other words, a human being with the capacity for self-reflection. Yeah. And yeah. then there's the possibility of what we call awakening. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're, we're, so when, yeah. I, so when I said like what's happening for the first 10 billion years, I, I, one, one of the, one of the qualities it feels like is like, if you're going to have, I, I'm really, as you can tell, I'm really taken with this evolutionary picture because it's, it explains so much. It's so beautiful and it brings everything together. It brings science and spirituality together, which is a big thing, I think for our, for our age is that when I look at the moment, like when I look at this, every moment seems to, well, first of all, the existence seems to be a process, not the universe is a process not a thing. It's, it's a constant changing process as am I, as am you. And what I notice about each moment is that each moment is completely fresh. It's never happened before. These are obvious things, but they interest me. It's like, well, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's always new. And yet it contains within it implicitly everything that's ever happened before. 
So it's like one, it's like the past is accumulating and changing into whatever comes next. So each moment's the realization of a new pos- possibility. So I wonder whether that's what this is. The process of, be- of being in the process of becoming is not like trying to get to awakening. There's no intention at the beginning. There's no big mind going, oh, I'd like to know myself, any of that. There's just being mm-hmm. in the process of becoming. Yes. In which it will start with the simplest of things and then yes. build and build yes. and build and build. Yes. And so the existence is the realization of potentiality. Mm. Now, when that, like you said, when that becomes conscious, we're on a new level now. Mm. And with the with the arising of the psyche, the non-material realm in which we're sharing all these ideas, yes. you suddenly get this a new level of that, a realization of potentiality. And then what we're we've explored in our lives that realization of, oh, hang on, I, I, I thought I was just Tim, but I'm not. I'm the universe arising as Tim <clears throat> in right. relationship with the universe is a very emergent level of that realization of possibility. I mean, what comes after that could be anything, could be loads more, but that yes. itself is a yes. massive um, kind of jump. Yes, I think I think you've described that really well. Good. <laughs> I like it. It's a beautiful vision, isn't it? It's yes. So yes. Exquisite about it. And then what it does, this is the thing I got from when you were talking at the beginning, because it then takes the awakening and goes, it's not about it was all there, we fell away, we got lost in illusion, now we need to get back, oh, we're back, you're done, click, off you go. None of that anymore. None of that kind of Indian stuff. And and instead what it says is the whole thing is this massively creative adventure, Mm. which we're on the leading edge. We know where Mm. it's been sort of, we don't know the hell where it's going, Mm -hmm. but it will be a realization of a new potentiality. And it looks to me like the, the, the deep awakening, as I call it, that awakening to the oneness of the universe is the, is the real cutting edge of it. Mm. And more and more of us. I have this word. Let me try this out on you. See what you say. I've started thinking that what we're doing is evolving from individuals into what I'm calling univigils, where a univigil is an individual conscious of unity with the universe. Mm. And I wonder whether that is going to be happening over the next, well, actually the next few decades, but Mm. probably beyond way beyond my lifetime. But, but, but that, that might be the next unexpected flip. Mm-hmm. in this 14 billion year journey. Yes. And and how how do you feel that has um filtered into your everyday life? How do, how does that knowing or that realization that you're describing in this way how, how has that filtered into your everyday life? Has it or has it changed anything? Um I mean I don't know about your awakening as such you know or the initial realization recognition has that changed has that been more deeply embodied has it become more ordinary um you know how do okay, these I'll, I'll increasing yeah please then do. you tell me yours all okay, right so, so really potted and then you can you can home in on the bits that you find interesting so it started for me very young so i was 12 and the experience and it's changed although it's the same but it's changed and so the big thing when i was 12 was love like, like suddenly I was catapulted. It was just sitting on a hill. I was catapulted into this, the same world, but different in which the whole universe was just pulsating with love and I was connected with everything. So that is the same, but it's just been growing and 
and getting deeper and more and more often and more familiar, more accessible. That's the right way to say it, more accessible in ways that I wouldn't have get I me mean, to begin with. It was very unaccessible. It was like, you know, long, dry periods and all of that. And then, oh, oh, and then so that, and then my understanding of it has changed. And what's interesting is that as my understanding changes, actually so does the experience. So the shift from it's all consciousness and there's a big consciousness and that's what I really am, all of that, that idea, when I experienced that, I always felt like I was coming out of the world. And it was amazing, but that's what happened to me. It was a feeling of like being the big space and there was Tim and it was like, and I compared it to dreaming, like a dream where I'm in the dream, but the dream is in me. And it was very powerful. Now that shifted and I don't see it like that at all. And I see it as one process of being taking form, including Tim meeting itself. It feels really I feel embedded in it. It doesn't feel like an illusion. It feels really real. Everything feels real more. And I love that. Uh, either way, the love is still the same, but I think it's more embodied than ever yes. with that shift. So I, that's mm. a little tiny bit of my, my crazy journey. <laughs> what about you? Well, like like you, it's very difficult to uh, encapsulate it in a <laughs> in a few sentences. Um, I mean, it's a long journey, and I've spoken about this on many of my interviews and podcasts, so I'm not going to go over that again. But the 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 the, the, the crucial part, or the the crux of it, was the end of identity as a victim an end of i and i don't mean a victim in the in the more conventional psychological sense but a victim in the sense of a very subtle sense of separation of standing outside of the world standing outside of life rather than the world yeah you could say that's a that's a existential abandonment by life you can call it god life whatever one wants to call it but yeah, somehow, yeah, perhaps that links into a sense of deep unworthiness that doesn't have a cause. Yeah. And and in that moment, which seemed like a moment, it might have been a few moments. I mean, no such thing as few moments, but <laughs> a how certain is, period of time. How long is the moment? But I'm talking of a short period of time rather than yeah. years. But in sure. that, it's like the self came undone like the whole scaffolding of the self the psychological construct of self came undone and it didn't leave me in just emptiness there was a realization of emptiness as the ground of being but it also simultaneously was a seeming energetic visceral merging with the totality of existence. So I was no longer separate. And it was a surprise that was only noticed afterwards in the following days, weeks, months, even years, that the modus operandi, you know, the, the place from which I usually operated was no longer there. 
it was gone. And so there was nobody here that ever felt to be a victim of its feelings, its thoughts, its experience, its circumstance. What do you mean there was nobody there? What does that mean? There was no self-construct that was in resistance to whatever was happening. You know, there's a subtle movement so, of so mind. You mean the idea of yourself changed? Is that what you mean? Or? No, there was no idea of myself. No idea at there, all? There must have been some idea, surely, because you, you know, just of your body, you know? Well, there's, there was no, let's put it this way, there was no movement of mind right. away from any experience. Therefore, there was no resistance to any experience. I don't, I don't know about you, but... I used to be a, a, a meditator, not anymore. It's like meditation's fallen away. But in my meditating days, I would notice how either during meditation or after meditation, if there was a very open, uh, peaceful, expanded, silent, uh, let's say space that opened up during the meditation and then lasted for some time after the meditation, there would be a subtle movement of mind that wanted to hold on to that. So subtle. Mm. And then anything that was the opposite, maybe a, a certain melancholy would come over or irritation or who knows what. There would be a subtle, oh, something's gone wrong. Yes, yeah, subtle rejection of that. And it was that movement of mind that completely ended, hmm. which meant that any... Um, Is that good? That's wonderful. Why is it good? <laughs> Wouldn't why you is, say why, it's wonderful? Why, why is it good? Tell me well, that's freedom. Good. That's freedom. That's freedom from experience. That's not being identified by the movement of mind. That's freedom from whatever you're experiencing, that's non-resistance, that's being at one with everything. Yeah. Isn't that's it what good, I call non-dual realisation. Isn't, isn't, isn't it a good thing? I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure, oh, excuse me, it's not a good idea, is it? That's my phone going off. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Apologies for that. No points for that. Dear me, sorry. Um, so I want to understand... Make sure I understand, because there's things which, are, which, are, which sound similar and things which sound a bit different. And... Um, and obviously I'm aware that people say similar things to yourself. And so I, I just want to, this thing, excuse me, go away. Throw it away, Tim. <laughs> it's just buzzing now. It'll stop. Um, is, I understand you're, you're saying something you experience as positive, and I want to try and get at that. But I can also see that being able to distinguish experiences you want from experiences you don't want seems very integral to the human experience and important. It's like, I'm wondering, would I, do I, you know, it's like that my ability to go, oh, I, I don't want that, or oh, that's not very nice, is a huge part of what enables me to weave through this life, which is full of such joy Ooh. and such suffering. When you say, I don't want that, what are you referring to? Circumstances? Anything, thing? anything, anything which I don't like. Isn't, isn't not liking things also integral to the human journey by which we live and I, I and think I, well we navigate the world of form I mean I, I might not like um I don't know well I actually don't like rose hip tea <laughs> so I'm not going to drink that I'm not going to choose yeah. that 
if I'm, yeah. Um, but I like green tea. I mean, on that level, that's a functional liking and disliking, a preference that informs me of but say, say, say something. something but, but yeah, but if, you, if, if you're talking about, um, I mean, the, let's look at it this way. The majority of humanity in the unconscious state, including myself in the unconscious state, doesn't like to feel sad, doesn't like to feel rejected, doesn't like to feel, I don't know, misunderstood. Mm. Now, that's where repression comes in. Yeah, we suppress those feelings. We ignore those feelings. We we do everything to avoid it, to control our reality, to manage things, to 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 fix ourselves to fit in, so that we we're not rejected, we're not hurt. We're, yeah, isn't that suppression? Isn't that the unconscious egoic state? I'm saying that that comes to an end. That comes to an be, end. I, I think it can be. We can suppress, and that can be bad, but it's not necessarily, is it? It's like you know, you you don't. Well, you, when you feel sad, you can also change your state. You can change the world. You can feel the sadness. You can, there's lots of options as well as just going, Oh, don't want to feel it. Don't want to feel it. That's, well, that's- yes. But in order to have those options, you need to wake up out of the, uh, the identification as somebody okay, bad for having. I mean, I haven't got a problem with any, any cloud that passes in my internal landscape, right. whether it's sadness or, or something else. I mean, the beauty is that those emotions don't actually, don't actually have a, any place. They, they, there isn't, there isn't that, that darkness of emotion in the way that there was when I was younger and, you know, let's call it prior to awakening. I'd be, uh, you know, these emotions would be so either tucked away or unseen or hidden or something to fix or something to get over. So, so that, that has gone. I don't so need to fix myself. Yes. To what arises. Yes. Yep. Yes. 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 So that mechanism of avoidance, that mechanism of being identified by either good or bad experiences, that's what came to an end. And then, of course, we have a choice. I don't need to change my state. There's nothing to change. My state is, huh, uh, it's just openness itself. It never changes. So is that not I, I don't experience it as that. My life might change. My 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 circumstances well, might presumably change. Presumably, you sleep. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a pretty big change of state, isn't it? I see that as a functional, um, a you know, change of state of the physiological system. What's other, but in what's, what's the other change of state that you're thinking of? Well, you said uh, you said what's earlier that we have the choice. Have well, you said in there the, was a, the possibility um, of changing our state. If we don't like sadness, we can change it to something else. That doesn't. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm referring to that. That doesn't need to change. There's nothing that isn't. I don't need to change my emotional state or my mood state. The the openness sounds great. I like the sound of that. I don't like the sound so much about not feeling like um, 
you know, you're in a, you can have an state or what, what do we mean by state? And maybe we should clarify that. What yes, I mean, what do really, we mean by state? I, I, what I think what I'm referring to, which maybe I don't know, is, is that the psyche, the, the soul has, a, you know, is, is, has, is in a particular configuration um, whereby it is, it's, it's in relationship to the universe in a certain way and relationship with itself in a certain way. And that, that, that seems to me to be changing all the time constantly changing and that change seems very much a big part of life and of the evolution of the psyche or soul is that constant movement because so how do you experience that in in yourself your how, how is your psyche constantly changing and evolving your well, psyche it's different now than it was before we came on but when we closed our eyes for a short while before we started speaking it disappeared into this amazing stillness and then you called us out and it was like suddenly i was aware of you there's it's always and each relationship. That's our perception, isn't it? That's our experience, our perception. That's constantly changing. Of course it is. But yeah. my actual state, the ground from which I am aware of those experiences and movements, of course there's movement. I think you're speaking of movement in well, life. So, okay, let me give you an example. That doesn't change. My awareness had, doesn't change. I've had, I've had a really big weekend and I was really tired. So I'm different when I'm really tired. I'm in a different state. And I had a coffee. And that really gave me lots of energy. I was in a different state. And then I was doing some philosophy. I love that. And I was off on ideas. And then I got tired again and I had to do my accounts and I was in a different state. And it's not just the experience. It's the way that I am in relationship to the world constantly. And that seems a big part of being human. And but isn't your awareness alive. constant? Isn't your awareness constant? What does that mean? Well, the one who is aware of being tired of tiredness or the one who is aware of coffee giving you a buzz or whatever, yeah. the one who is aware, that doesn't change, does it? Well, it depends what you think that one is. You see, I don't think that one is this, um, this floaty thing called consciousness. I think it's the whole system which is evolving and is conscious and goes to sleep and is unconscious and is taking in most things unconsciously and is constantly processing its relationship with the one, including, if it wants to, paying attention to the grander being and having that experience of oneness or disappearing into meditation or just closing your eyes or whatever, you know, do it now, where you where suddenly you're in a different realm altogether or going off into the psyche or taking ayahuasca and going on visions or whatever it is, you're, it, it, it's the whole system, it seems to me, is the experiencer. And that, and so within that, my, my place where I'm putting my attention is moving all the time. And that seems pretty integral to life. So that, uh, that's more how I would come to see mm. it now. I mean, mm. I would have said exactly what you've said, to mm. be fair. So I do have an understanding, I think. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have a world view on this. I don't have a view as to how it's operating. I'm not in any way a systems orientated uh, approach to this. I, I, I haven't got a, well, I have got a science background, but um, that's not really the, the place that I'm functioning from or seeing this. I'm really just speaking. I think perhaps you have more uh, insight in, in that way into the mechanics of it or the the, the systems, how the system operates. I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. How that universal 
how the universe functions, that I, 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 that's not where I'm coming from. I'm only speaking from my own direct experience. How does it relate to my experience? And does that change my experience of life? Not from a, uh, a point of view of some kind of viewpoint that I've learnt or understood or arrived at uh, in terms of understanding, but actually from my personal experience, there is now no problem in anything that is experienced that fundamentally changes my uh, my psychological interface with reality. Okay, so I don't me, need. It's yeah, like a, it's more like a both and thing. Yeah. So, so if I think back to say a really difficult experience, like being with my mother dying of cancer, that wasn't okay, and it was. And that was what was interesting. And it seems to me that we can put attention on more than one. We can move our attention between things. So what really struck me about that was that um, I was at once in the heartbreak of seeing my dear, beautiful old mum suffering and would have done anything to stop it. And I would, you know, there's no part of me that thought it was okay. (laughs) Uh, And also I was aware of how extraordinary it was to be alive at all and the mystery of what we were experiencing. And that as well brought a kind of poignancy to it. So there's a kind of a magic there Mm -hmm. some of the time and a really deep connection. I think the biggest thing for me with the uh, waking up to oneness is that, that intimacy and connection and communion with with even you know like the cup I'm holding or my seat my bum's on the seat or whatever it's like the whole there's that and then in those situations the real connection in this instance with my my mum and all the staff and everything so there's a kind of a both end but mm. I've still got that human part there I say it's all human but they have still got that that ooh ah you know the bitterness of yes. of it. Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. And that's, that's, yes, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not denying that. It's like experiencing the heartbreak, whatever that heartbreak is, the loss of a mother, a loved one, some kind of personal tragedy, whatever. Um, or, or, or just the, the, the suffering of humanity when we're witness to that. So experiencing the heartbreak allowing the heartbreak that ouch yeah that yeah and yet not identifying with that as a poor me that's what I meant by the end of the victim self Uh, which is as far as I can see that is very much the unconscious default position of most human beings yeah and and that creates a lot of internal struggle and conflict and uh, avoidance and uh, so on. Yeah, it, it sort of adds to the psychological suffering. I'm saying that n- no, absolutely not. That's what we mean by Zorba the Buddha. It's not just Zorba the Buddha enjoying himself or herself, but the ability to to let the heart break open in the midst of suffering, whether it's our own or the world's or somebody else's, it's still us that experience that. But to also 
not because you're weighing it up and balancing it, but because you've come to a deep realization of that oneness. You've come to a deep realization of the unbroken nature of, of beingness. Beingness isn't broken, but the human experience is broken, if you like. To be able to live both of those brings a great compassion and intimacy with what is. So if we, if we relate this to non, non-dual awareness, it's almost like the non-dual awareness of beingness as the ground, yeah, which is now aware of itself, it contains all of that. It contains the heartbreak. It contains the suffering. It contains the ouch, but it's not identified with it. And that doesn't, well, it can do. For some, that makes a kind of cold detachment, but I'm not speaking of that. I'm talking about the full merging with it, with the totality of it, because you're inseparable from it. But that's very different to just being um, so you pulled saying, by your emotions. and your. So I think the bit I'm tripping, there's lots of things. This is really yeah. interesting. <laughs> as you're speaking, I'm realising how far I've moved and I hadn't taken it on because... Some of the things I was saying to you earlier were kind of like the way I would have thought about things before. And I've, as I'm saying them, I'm thinking, is that right? Do I think that now? Or has it changed again? And so I think one of the key words you've used is identification. And God, I've used that word so much. And I think that's a word I really, I don't like it. It doesn't work for me anymore. And so when you explained it, when you were first saying it, it sounded much more like, oh, I don't identify. That's the Buddha bit. You know, it's right. like, I don't identify anymore. And that feels really alien to me now. But when you turned it around and you, and what you, I don't, I'm going to put words in your mouth. Forgive me if I do that. But you, there was a sense in which you were saying that you identified with everything. <laughs> it was like, it just became really, you, you weren't detached and it, it, I disidentified. You were actually opening out that identity to include everything. Well, I'm not identified with it. See, I, I don't, like I I'm, don't derive my identity from it. From, that's from heartbreak, from suffering. That's not who I am. It, you know, suffering and heartbreak, whether it's my own uh, or, or the others, isn't, isn't who I am. I'm not a victim of that. I'm not, I'm not the, yeah, but I'm totally intimate with it. Yeah. I experience it. I feel it. Okay. So I think there's, I think there's words. Yeah. There's words, you know, words. Are yeah. Um, yeah. So because I want to say, and it may be similar what we're saying, but I would be much more moved to use the words in this way. I'd be much more likely to say, I am it. And everything I've ever experienced is what I am. I am this, I am this unfolding of experience. I am this relationship of the one yeah. with itself. I think, everything. I think they're like two, two sides of the same coin. I think the way that you're describing it and the way that I'm describing it are actually like the, the, the same, but just with, with a slight, it's like you're coming at it this way and I'm coming at it that way. And they're actually meeting right in the middle. And there's another thing which I'd like to share with you just because it's kind of a confession. Um, and I, I don't know what you'll think of this, but I'll have a go. Um, this has also happened for me and is happening at a pace is that, you know, when I first experienced it a long time ago, I was 12 and that initial period, the language I had available to me was, was, uh, I was experiencing God. I've been told that God is love. And what do you know? Turns out it was true. And that was, I had a, a real love affair going with 
with God for, uh, without any tradition or anything, you know, just like happening. And that, that was a big thing for me. And then when I got older, I started having these non-dual experiences. God went out the window really, because the God at the beginning who creates everything just doesn't make any sense. It's a crazy God. It was the world's too weird and dinosaurs. And why would you create, why 14 billion years and all of that, just like that, that's, that's nonsense. There's no God running this show. And if they are, I don't like them. But what's happened now is that I've started to think that what is going, that actually the, this universal, this 14 billion years of evolution doesn't arise from God. It's flowering into God. It's flowering into something greater than Tim, of which Tim is a part. Like I'm a cell in God, like, a, like this cell is a cell in my body. My soul is a cell in God, if you like. And that that's an emergent quality of the universe. It doesn't start with that. It's what's emerging. And as we come into the communion of oneness, we're actually becoming part of something greater than ourselves. So I think a better description of what happens, say, with my mum, and it's happening all the time, of course, but that's a big example was that I was suffering. I was, I was Tim, I was her son, and I was suffering with her and trying to protect her, although I couldn't and all of that. And because I've been doing it for so many decades, I was in God. And God was just holding this whole, whole thing in so much love and so much, and, and redeeming it. It's like it was okay because it's leading to this. And there was this massive... So the, so the paradox was this human, it's not okay, and this divine, and it is okay, mm-hmm. sitting alongside each other. And I think that's mm-hmm. more of a description of, of how I'm experiencing it these days, Amoda, that, mm-hmm. that I'm in touch with this thing which is greater than me, and that, mm-hmm. that makes it, I don't know how people who don't have that get through. That's the honest truth. I don't know how <laughs> they make it through. Because I, I can't imagine why they're just not, I'd be torn to shreds without it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If that's and yet, this good. thing isn't a thing, is it? What thing? God? Well, what you, you said this thing that is greater than us. It's not yes. a thing. It's, it's not, not actually thing. anything outside of us. It's the totality of everything. It's the totality. It's the the way I would see it now is that it's the emergent edge of the universe evolving. So. It's not been there the whole time and it's not, but it's flowered in, it's flowering into Mm -hmm. it like it flowered into you and me. Like, you know, 14 billion Mm -hmm. years, one of my favorite thoughts is 14 billion years ago, there was just hydrogen and that hydrogen has become you and me. Mm -hmm. And that same, and it's also become something, you know, we're experiencing this non-material realm of the psyche, the soul, and that has led to something beyond itself, which is the experience of God, but it's a very different idea of God to the traditional mm. one. Mm, of course. But it's yes. something, but it's, but it's, it's yes. But, and it's not a separate, like you said, it's like, this is, it's arisen from this and it's in, mm. it's embedded or what's the right word? It's arising from this. That's the closest mm. I can probably say. Mm. Um, and that's for me, that's, that's changed how I experience it because I think I did have this kind of detached witnessing being consciousness mm-hmm. So I would, like I said, like a dream, part of me is in here doing this stuff. And the other part, the deep part, the real part, I would have said, I would have said, this was the real part. And this was not the real, this was the apparent part of right. like the actor in a, in a dream. But this was the real me was this consciousness, which was, mm-hmm. 
outside and still and detached and uh, and it and that's shifted completely in my experience mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not like that at all now it's, and i much prefer it mm-hmm. where i can't say i've ever had that disembodied experience oh very good very i mean good. i have it, had a disembodied it, it was, experience it was embodied as well it, you yeah. know I've, I've never been just off there no uh, yeah i i think a a, a a fragrance of that um has come in in my experience through uh uh psychedelics um mm-hmm. um certain specific psychedelics that that brought a very profound sense of being consciousness and then this experience of you know being that that consciousness and this is playing itself out here that was very much seen but i wouldn't call that I, I don't call that awakening. I call it, I, 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 for me, that wasn't an awake. It was kind of awakening, but it's not the, what I mean by awakening. Um, okay. it, it, it was an experience, an experience of consciousness. Yeah. Um, and certainly we can have that. To me, that's not the non-dual recognition. Okay. Yeah. It's a non-dual perspective, perhaps, um, but I, 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 that's not really what I mean by it. Um, for me, that the true non-dual recognition includes everything. Yeah, that's why it's non-dual. There aren't any more two. There isn't consciousness and then the human there. There isn't consciousness and then the separate self, the dream. The dream and the and the and the whatever is the opposite of the dream, <laughs> the awakeness. Dreamer? Yeah, the dreamer. They're not separate. No. Yeah. It's no. just that you're a, you you've recognized that you are not just the dream. Yeah. So something fundamentally transforms in that and that brings a great, uh, I hope certainly for me has brought a great relaxation of any attempt to, to fix myself or to fix life. Of course, there are going back to what you said earlier, preferences, and there's still a movement. Of course, there is growth on a functional level on a, let's say material level, we're constantly growing and evolving and learning and doing, yes, as we are doing now, (laughs) interacting and all of that. But there's no attempt to fix myself in order to get more out of life or to get more out out of this moment or, yeah. I wonder wonder whether, I mean, I'm just, just play with with me and see what you think. I, I wonder, as I listen to you, I think, hmm, I have, I have, I've, I've started, I used to talk about, the, I call it the deep awake state, the non-dual state. And I've started talking about deep awake states now, because I've started seeing everyone I, I work with experiences it slightly differently and has their own, because they're their own relationship with the universe. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether, see, what I'm hearing from you, which sounds great it was for you, is, is you know I was very trying to fix myself and uh, and the victim and uh, and then that's just gone one day it's bang and I just you know it was a new thing that was born and that's I can hear how important that was I didn't I never really had that I was you know and I but and and so that didn't happen for me and I really want to fix things and me and I you know I look at myself and I'm like Jesus Christ I need to fix myself it's not a problem I just do and it feels like really worthwhile doing and the world the same and that that sits beautifully for me with the connection with oneness and and the more I go into it the more I feel it 
And a, a deep sense of service arises, always has for me in that. And it sounds quite different and yet the same, that, that there's something, there's, a, there's an awakening in the sense that you're in one state and then another profound state opens up and there's the commonality of the sense of oneness. But then the flavor it's playing out depends on the particular psyche. Of course, yes. Um, and, and so, the, so the, the things that we individually pick out of it well, the expression of it, we are. obviously, yes, comes through the individual uh, body-mind vehicle, which has its own history, its own uh, karma, its own physiological framework, um, its own, uh, yeah, whatever understanding on a on a on a you know intellectual or or perceptual level of course it's colored through that or it, it moves through that um so its expression it's is perhaps colored by that or nuanced by that but I, I'm not sure because I've worked with many people as well. <laughs> um, I would say the, the the fundamental or the foundation of silence, inner silence, that is revealed possibly through one's own journey of, of awakening, if that's what's happened, awakening out of, <laughs> again, we have different language here, but awakening out of the, the dream state of being identified as this or that is the same. Silence is silence. Yeah. When the movement of mind isn't what is constantly defining and interpreting and interfering with experience, that quality of silence surely is universal. Otherwise, the, all the spiritual traditions wouldn't actually be pointing to that. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what is consciousness? I suspect that what consciousness is, you know, when, when, when animal life developed, obviously with life comes death and, and animals are very complex systems, you know, like us, and they're taking in an awful lot of information from the universe around them. It's a very rich relationship of the one to itself. And some of that information really, 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 really matters. It's a matter of life and death. Is, is it going to kill you? Can you eat it? Can you, you know, fuck it and fight it? All of that. That matters. And all the rest, most of the information is of no importance. So I think what's happening is that what, what begins to evolve is the ability to process some information in high definition, if you will. And that high definition processing is consciousness. So right now I'm taking in the most enormous amount of information and then a tiny, tiny little bit I'm processing in high definition, basically you. That's what I'm processing. And I really, my attention is on you and I'm experiencing this amazing being conscious of you and, and also ideas arising and so forth. So one, if you see that, if you see, ah, so consciousness is paying attention then I think what happens is you learn to pay attention in different ways and to different things. And a big jump happens where mostly you're paying attention to all the individual qualities of things and thoughts and all the rest of it. And then either th whatever level, all sorts of things can do it. There's a shift and you pay attention to the quality that makes everything one. 
which is mm, being. Yes, I, yeah, I get And then that. you do that. Now, if you do that and you go and you sink your attention right into it, it's silent because there's nothing to change. Yes, yes. And it's completely still. Right. But then you come back and, you know, and there's movement and there's yes, thoughts and there's yes, all the rest. Yes, So if you get that, it's like, well, there is silence if you focus on the silence. And then there's thoughts if you focus on the thoughts. And it seems to me that the thoughts, if you if they're... If they're it seems to me that thinking is basically imagining talking. That's what it is. So if you're, think, if, you're, if you're having a conversation like this one, hopefully it's of great value. I love it. But if you're having one which is just about giving yourself a hard time, maybe it's not so useful. Yes, yes. But that, but that capacity to discern between what's useful or not useful, valuable or not valuable, only comes when you've also, uh, or not also, but, for, you know, fundamentally recognized through this capacity of giving attention to that you're describing the silence that is pervading everything, the silence that is prior to everything. Yeah. Once that's been recognized, then you have the capacity to discern what is valuable thinking and what is not valuable thinking. It certainly increases you, it. Massive. Yeah, but if you haven't even recognised that silence, then you're 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 lost because you're constantly driven by giving your attention to every thought that arises. That's I, no, called I, the I, unconscious. I Isn't that what spiritual can... awakening is? Yeah, I think that an awakening is that, and we've definitely evolved as human beings to to be able to do that. We can reflect. It's an amazing quality that we can mm. reflect. And then I think there's another quality, which is what you're talking about, which I would call deep reflection or foundational reflection, where you reflect on reflecting, as it were. So you right. can see yes. people. And th- I think that can happen without an awakening. Um, but when you, if you do have one, it can really help that. I, I, but also, right. you know, I meet a lot of people who've had awakenings that aren't very good at reflecting at all. <laughs> Again, it probably comes to an explore, a deeper exploration as to what awakening is, because that word is used in many, many different ways. Um, But I have a sense that we're coming to the end of our conversation for today. Very rich and very broad and very interesting in the sense of uh, actually the way language is used and how we actually understand it from our own, uh, as you say, we, we all have our own way of seeing colored by our own, yeah, by this body-mind vehicle that has its own history, its own expression, its own individuation. So, yeah, language is very much about, or conversations are very much about sort of untangling (laughs) what it is we're actually pointing to. I think you're you're so right, Amanda. But it is worth it because if you can get through the language problem, you still get to what's beyond the language, which is yes. the actual way of thinking, the concepts. Yeah. And I suspect with awakening, what we're both talking about, it seems to me, is that ability to take conscious attention to the to the oneness of being. Yes. And then what happens after that may be more various than we've been led to suspect. Yes. To expect. It might be quite yes. various. Yes. Um, yes. But, and, and, and it seems to me like, you know, I'm sure you meet lots, but some people are very do that and get very, very detached and other people sort of quite embodied. Um, so I think that's why to go back to how you started the conversation. For me, the big thing I'm going to take with me from this conversation 
is that, oh, I've actually look, now look at it the other way around. I don't see as evolution leading to awakening. I see evolution as of that awakening to the ground of being, of oneness, mm-hmm. non-duality, as a part of a bigger journey mm-hmm. and, 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 and a, a step along the way. Yes. Again, I, I reflect back to you that uh, you, you, you have quite a systems-orientated way of understanding, which has great value, yeah, your understanding of how this mechanism, if you like, if I can call it that, or process of, of the universe and its manifestation both as consciousness and as everything in consciousness appears, uh, how that functions, yeah. And uh, perhaps I, I, I don't, I don't have that. I, I don't know. I, I don't have that. I, I can't absolutely know how the universe functions, or even why it functions. Quite honestly, um, <laughs> don't think for a moment I, uh, I know absolutely how the universe functions. <laughs> well, I think it's constantly evolving for you. I think, isn't it? It's like it's definitely evolving. Revealing, it's since revealing. We've been having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, I, I, I don't know. I only know uh, a, a life that is lived as suffering uh, or a life that is lived as freedom that includes suffering if it comes in the terms of loss or pain or something. But there isn't uh, uh, that tight knot of resistance that creates another layer of suffering <laughs> in that way it's quite simple <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no no that's the that that's the clearest you've said it i think <laughs> that, that was the clearest i've or maybe it's i've heard it you've said it a few times yeah when you said it there that that second layer i really got that yeah i really got that yeah mm. great yeah yeah no, that's right that's right you get another layer on top <laughs> Wonderful, Tim. Thank you. Um, my pleasure to speak with you. I hope it was juicy. I hope it was valuable. It was great. It's probably messy. It's probably got moments of clarity. All of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Lovely. I really enjoyed it. I've, 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 I'm coming out differently from the conversation, which is always my <laughs> All right. Lovely. So I am. Um, thank you very much. Thank you.